your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Trigowski broke the headphones, <laughs> not even five seconds into the show. <laughs> 608-785-7914, that's the talking text line, but Chigoski won't be able to hear you because he broke the headphones. Okay, they're fixed. All right. Whoa, that was loud. I know, wait. <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll turn you down a little bit. Well, that it could be your headphones are cranked way up, but, but how do, well, I sound perfect, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see. No, it can't be your headphones, then. Uh, yeah, UW Lacrosse, political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chigoski. Happy I always, Friday, Rick. I always uh, take... Uh, not advantage for granted. That's it. Take for granted that everyone will know that you're in here. It's Friday, right? Um, again, probably should we we need to do a better job of Friday news dumps. Yes. I feel like we've been slacking on that because I'll get home and I'll be like, "What? What is this? I totally forgot that." And then, um, yeah, I think that was it. Just and then introducing you as the like I was. I'm like, man, probably should do you should have you on the on a Monday just because everything that happens over the weekend, but this is a perfect week to have you out oh, right now because yeah, so much news. Um, I'll just do it off the top of my head. We're impeaching a Supreme court justice. That's old news now, right? Yep. Like, but also brand new news because we've thrown a redistricting plan or a, a voting drawing the voting maps plan. Okay. As a political science professor, you're, you're talking to college students. Do they know what redistricting means? You throw that term at them. Do they understand what gerrymandering means? These are kids that I would say these are students that haven't had your like poli sci 101 or something like that. Because I I have to say voting maps, drawing voting maps. That's in my head. That's that's how I have to say that so that like the everyday person understands what we're talking about? Yeah, Rick, by and large, they have heard the term gerrymandering before, but they may not know how it works, and they may not know why it is such a matter of significant controversy. Take, for example, the spring election where Janet Protasiewicz was elected. The vast majority of students were actually quite aware of that election. That was a big difference between that spring election and other spring elections that kind of float fly below the radar but the issue they were aware of was abortion not gerrymandering yeah that's in both important totally different landscapes and i would say one has to do with the other like gerrymandering would affect the abortion cases if we didn't have gerrymandering um so anyway voting maps lines they threw that how stunned were you as someone who's just deep diving into politics obviously that this happened like uh, apparently they crafted it at three in in the morning although jill billings came on with me and said this is something they have talked about in the past so it's probably like that they kicked the dust off the box that had the redistricting maps in it or the plan and like we'll bring this out because look at this impeachment thing this isn't going well i go back and forth on this rick because It was a surprise this week to see the Republican members of the state assembly unveiled this plan to go to what they call a nonpartisan method of drawing districts. So it came as a surprise for sure. That being said, this doesn't seem to be like something you just cook up overnight. I mean, maybe it was. It was also the case that on Thursday, when the state assembly took votes on this issue, 
there were a number of amendments. Seven. Seven amendments. And that typically doesn't happen when the underlying bill has been well-crafted. The seven amendments indicates that there are things that need to be fixed about the bill. That's why you have amendments, because there were issues with the original version of the legislation. Now, do we as a community, as a society, as Wisconsin, do we get to watch that? Is that on WISI? Do we get to, like, because I don't know how that works. When the seven, who's who's proposing seven amendments? Are Democrats involved here? <laughs> no, the, the Republican amendments. Now, there could have been different strategies behind those amendments. They did address some concerns that Democrats had about the original legislation that was released on Tuesday. Of course, released on a Tuesday, then voted on. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a really expedited process. And I think if you had a more normal process where you introduce the bill and then you have committee hearings and you hear expert testimony and you hear different points of view and you have a careful analysis of the bill. Well, that's one thing. This is quite another thing. Yeah, but you do, this is not that. But you do that for bills that are important. This is only reshaping how <laughs> the state draws its voting lines for the rest of eternity. It's not that important. That's what, I've been in such a rush to analyze this bill, right? Because it came out on Tuesday. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to read the bill. I have to read it multiple times. I have to figure out what it means, figure out the significance of it. So by the time I felt I had a pretty good handle on the bill that came out on Tuesday, then all of these amendments drop on Thursday. And now I'm just scrambling to try to figure out the amendments. And I've heard competing interpretations of some of the amendments that have come out. I think the lesson here is that we don't really have a solid grasp of what exactly this legislation would do when you have, as you said, Rick, something that is so significant to government, just how the maps are drawn. In many ways, that is what decides the results of elections, or at least greatly determines the results of elections, how the maps are drawn. So there could be all kinds of intricacies in the process that need to be thought out. And you just wonder if that can be adequately thought out in a couple days. It's funny how the Republicans called it the Iowa model, and then there were seven amendments. <laughs> so we really improved upon the Iowa model? Yeah, that, that was just not true on Tuesday to call it an Iowa-style model. How, how was my analysis? Iowa-ish. That's fair, right? I mean, there are some very, very similarities. Professional. Yeah, very right, right. <laughs> I mean, there are some similarities between the Wisconsin proposal and the Iowa model, but there are key differences as well. So I understand the branding Iowa is often held up as an example of a state that does a maybe better job than other states when it comes to redistricting. I get why you would want to sell the proposal as being like the Iowa model, but the original proposal that came out was not really like the Iowa proposal. There were some key differences between the GOP assembly proposal here at the Iowa model. And it seems like there still are some key differences. It's completely hilarious that we call it the Iowa model. We all want the Iowa model. And then we look at Iowa and it's all Republican, like literally no Democrats hold it. Like, so the, the, it's so foolish, I think, for Democrats to tell the we need the Iowa model. And then there are flaws. We learned yesterday with there the, the uh, professor from University of Stevens Point that there's tons of flaws with the gold standard Iowa model, but that's because there's a lot of corn in Iowa. <laughs> corn is gold, and that's why we call it the gold standard. We'll be back. This is my wheelhouse. Is this your wheelhouse? 
Not quite. Yeah, right. Pass your wheelhouse, right? Almost. Does Coolio live on for a, well, Coolio passed away recently, but does Coolio live through the decade that's, be, that's between us? I think there's about a decade. I would us. say so. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski in here. I had the UW Stevens Point Professor Emeritus. I'm Emeritus. I say that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with me yesterday, Ed Miller. He knows who Joe Heim is because mm-hmm. they're like old, you know, fo- fogies, right? I asked, he doesn't know who you are. And I go, he's been there about, what, eight years? This is year eight for you? No, no, I haven't been there quite that long. Oh, have you been doing poli sci for eight years? I have, yeah, between like graduate school and my oh, job okay. now. He, but I said, you know, I said, I think I told him seven. He's like, yeah, that's why I wouldn't know who he is. So <laughs> no offense to you there, because it's not it's not that you're not making headlines and, uh, you know, being bombastic at UWL. It's just that he uh, you haven't been there long enough and he your your windows between each other are too far apart. Um, all right. We were deep diving into the all the politics that happened over the week. There was a lot for the two weeks. But, you know, I do want to throw this question out there. Just very off the wall. This is something we almost talked. Did we almost talk about this last week? Was it like we we? Did we even bring so it up? I was out last week because oh, we right. had Eagle Fest. Oh, I had AWL. a fun conversation with William. Did you did you go back and listen to that? Because it was you were at Eagle. No, Fest. No, yeah, I was at Eagle. I'll Fest. bring it up though. Uh, it, it is an interesting co- topic that I think you could get into, and I tried to bring it up a couple of different ways. But also, so this was two weeks ago, and we didn't we didn't bring this up when. Should bosses email workers? And this comes up two different ways, right? There's the off the hours and weekend stuff. Like, hey, can you come in? Like the office space. I reference office space all the time. Um, the, the movie. Um, the the guy's like, hey, yeah, we just need you to stay after past five on Friday. And I can't remember how he does it. I haven't seen that movie in a while. But, you know, the TPS reports guy, whatever. Um, there's that, right? But there's also, and the, it, 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 does anyone out there do this? Every Everyone has to do this, right? You get an email from your boss, and it could be Monday at, three, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, right? Kind of a typical time. You would definitely be working, but immediately what happens when you see that email? Oh, no. And who, do, like, does, do you get a Joe Gao email and go, <laughs> like you? I mean, I have, you know, I have multiple people above me, so anytime I get an email, I just like, oh, oh, no. Like, what did I do? So, like, I, I had that happen with my advisor in graduate school. He's like, hey, can you see me? And then I would spend the entire day wondering, right. like, what horrible thing happened that yeah. would cause him to message me that. So this is the premise of the question. And then it would be like, hey, I got a bowl of candy. Do yeah, you want right. some? <laughs> so when your boss, your bo- there has to be some ethics to, I don't know if ethics is the right word. There has to be some rules to when your boss emails me. Because anyone that gets the email under you bosses out there freaks out immediately. And then if it's a vague email that says, hey, I need to see you at so-and-so time, that email has to show up, what, an, an hour before the show, so-and-so time? Because... The boss has to make sure that you're going to be there. Yeah. The, the boss is just like like they're not busy enough, right? But hey, can you can can we meet a, in an hour in my office? That email is going to freak you out. So it can't be on a Monday at 10 a.m. Hey, on Wednesday, can we meet in my office at <laughs> at noon? That can't happen because from Monday at 10 a.m. until Wednesday at noon, you're going to be totally freaking out yeah or if you're going to do that if you send the email on monday morning setting up a meeting on wednesday you need to say it's a good thing like, yes. can we meet on wednesday it's a good thing now we've put that notion out there so anytime anyone gets an email they'll be like 
Rick and Tregoski said that the bosses should put it's a good thing and they didn't put it's a good thing in the email. So now everyone is going to be because if it doesn't now say it's a good thing. Like, do you have do you have as as the underlings right of of the bosses? Can we reply back? Is Is this bad news or I'm freaking out? Can we do this right now? (laughs) Like, like, what's the uh, you know, the process here? Because you're just going to ruin that person's week for however long that that email is set to when that meeting happens. I mean, imagine you get an email or a message at 4.30 p.m. on a Friday oh. asking, can we meet on Monday? And that's all you hear. And then right. you have the entire weekend to imagine what it might be. Yeah, you're on you're on like jobs.com. And you're just <laughs> well, like, better fire up indeed.com. I guess I'm not getting pizza tonight <laughs> because I got to start saving money because the boss might fire me on a Monday. 608-785-7914. So anyone's got any uh, uh, thoughts on when bosses, uh, I guess. Or like not, etiquette for that kind yeah, of communication. Not just when they should email you. Because there's also like, I'll, I bug Brad in the newsroom. And he, I'm not his boss. But like I got everyone in the newsroom, I we have like a group text. Mm-hmm. So I'm just throwing stuff in there all the time. I Like cities sending out messages. I'm like, here's this. The Trempolo County Sheriff's doing this. The weather says this. Um, so I think there's a there's also the ability when you you should be able to turn off your work email. There's right been a, a lot of time. talk about that. Like when should a supervisor be able to communicate with their employees? Should they be able to do that off hours, weekends? Right. Should there be times when you are not expected to be checking your phone or checking your email? Seems like there's more and more talk about that work-life balance issue, yeah. particularly since the pandemic. Yeah, in, in the newsroom, there is none of that. It's just work-work balance. Yeah, yeah, work-work. Um, I, I understand that for other people. Also, like our email system, if you send an email at like a weird hour, it'll at the top it'll go, do you want to schedule this email mm-hmm. for some not ridiculous hour that you're working right because i'm always at uh, working at a ridiculous hour and i'm like oh that's that's nice but if that thing doesn't pop up in a ridiculous hour i don't know how to find that I'm like I, where is the scheduler i sometimes encounter similar dilemmas when i get an email from a student at like 11 p.m on a saturday now i may be up because that's my time when baby's sleeping so right. i can kind of let loose and but maybe see that email pop up on my phone then i'm like well i'm available right now i could respond and, <laughs> and i do but then i wonder well would that create the expectation that another person should respond at that time? Put it in the bottom of the syllabus under an asterisk. Oh, good if idea. If I respond to your email, it might just be because I'm babysitting, you know, or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Does it, is it called baby? I guess it would be called parenting, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm babysitting my own kid. The other thing that we, we thought would be fun to talk about, too, is, and we'll see. There's so many politi- political things happening just in Wisconsin right now. Uh, let alone Hunter Biden being what in the indicted is yeah. that the word okay so like I I'm not are you gonna is that gonna change your vote are you not gonna vote for Hunter now that he's indicted I think that will change <laughs> Did I slip uh, that by you that will not? change approximately zero percent of the votes out there um, but I say that because people are so dug in in terms of their points of view on Trump and Biden I don't know that much of anything is gonna change people's points of view on either right. of those individuals it is funny because I could care less about Hunter Biden you could throw him off the planet like for all i care like why i don't uh, i guess they want to attach something that hunter did to joe biden and then get joe biden on the thing right i think that's what's going on on that note Derek van orden the member of the house from our congressional district here commented that he will support the impeachment inquiry 
But he said, quote, he will not sign up to vote for impeachment unless I see evidence. So it's kind of a fact-finding thing is how it's been sold, that there's not a smoking gun, there's maybe not clear evidence to justify impeachment from the perspective of people like Derek Van Orden, but they're certainly interested in the impeachment investigation or the so-called impeachment inquiry that maybe has some investigative umph behind it. So Speaker McCarthy in September of 2019, was he Speaker in September of 2019? I guess so, right? Um, he wouldn't have been Speaker. Remember I sent you this? I don't know if he was. He couldn't have been Speaker. He would have been, no, Pelosi would have been Speaker. Pelosi would yeah. have been Speaker. So it says Speaker McCarthy. But when, when Kevin McCarthy in the U.S. House in September 2019, during a different impeachment, he said an impeachment inquiry without a House vote is an abuse of power that brings discredit to the U.S. House. Uh, and then Speaker McCarthy, now that he's Speaker, uh, just a couple of days ago, McCarthy opens impeachment and queer inquiry into Biden without help. Oh, uh, yeah. Politicians change their views on that stuff all the time. <laughs> well, we got to we got to change with the times. That's what we got to do. Um, all right. So oh, and the other thing, the other thing, just kind of wacky, not political. If we need just a break now, we see we got we got a little politics. In mm-hmm. there. Do we need a break? Uh, we could just do it by this Reddit thread. We could do it by the piece of candy that I found on the desk when I got in. It was a piece of Halloween candy, and it was good. It was a Kit Kat bar. I put it right in front of you. Did you put that in your pocket? No. So you didn't steal it back. Like you just because it was. I didn't offer it to you. You sure? You no, didn't steal it. No, okay. I didn't. No, I think what happened is Sawyer left his candy in here. Oh. Our engineer left his candy in here, and then I tried to steal it, and then okay. he found it because I was just going to give it to you. Uh, but it was Halloween candy. It's September 15th. Yeah. yeah. It's Halloween? <laughs> I recently went in a grocery. And in fact, in late August, I went into a grocery store and there was a huge display set up of Halloween candy. It took me a second for my brain to comprehend what I was seeing because it was so unexpected for me to see Halloween candy. Right. Not just Halloween candy, but a giant display in late August. Yeah. I'm like, what? The, yeah, and the problem with that is, okay, I'll, okay, I'll buy it, right? Well, it's a pretty good deal. I'm going to buy the giant bag of Halloween candy. I'm going to throw it in my car, and then I'm going to go to the next store, and then it's all going to melt. It's August. <laughs> you can't be buying giant bags of Halloween candy in August. Uh, but the Reddit thread, and this is, you know, I just, uh, this is the best way of putting the whole conversation. Why do stores start Christmas, start the Christmas bleep so bleeping early? It's bleeped out some of the parts there, but, uh, you know, I, I wonder, I haven't been in a store that would do that in a while. All the shop clothes are closed. The Kmart's are closed. I guess Menards, maybe, if you walk through. No, I did. I go to Sam's Club last week. There was Christmas stuff up, up, up there. Uh, so we have already started the Christmas stuff. It's not even Halloween. There should be rules against this. No Halloween candy until what? Month and a half? Like, is today the first day, September 15th, that's a month and a half, that we can start to see Halloween candy on the shelves? Should that be the rule? Yes. September 15th, new rule, September 15th is the date when Halloween goods can be sold. Okay, and then on October 15th, can we start to see Thanksgiving stuff? I would say yes. Uh, And then November 15th, Christmas. Let's just make it the 15th of every month. Okay, the 15th of every month, you know, (laughs) my birthday month then. So July, because nothing happens in August. Uh, but July fifteenth, we could start seeing presents for for me. Sure. At that point, for all, because nothing happens. It's at all. Shop for Rick. Sometimes, season. sometimes there's just no holiday. So Fourth uh, of July, June fifteenth. That's sure. not giving a lot of leeway for fireworks. Mm-hmm. You gotta hurry up. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk of text. I will be back. Da, 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 da. 
It's you wanted September themed songs. <laughs> we couldn't find it. I'm not sure this is September themed. You don't know. This could have been released in September. Brad would know it. 608 785 7914 is the talk attack line. I said that really fast. 608 785 7914. Uh, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski hanging out here. We did pose the question, when should bosses, and it's posed, I, I wrote it wrong, when should bosses email workers? But it's not so much when they should email workers. It's that when they want to meet with workers, when should they schedule that? How far should the window be? Because if the window is 12 hours, that's okay. If the window, if this email, I need to see you in my office, and that email comes at 4.30 on a Friday, and the schedule is, on Monday at 10 a.m., I need to see you at Monday at 10 a.m. That's going to ruin your weekend. I would say if it's more than an hour, it should include information about what they want. Yes. Like the, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing, or I don't know, then we're setting the... Or uh, you're getting fired. <laughs> yeah, we're setting... <laughs> yes. If you're going to fire somebody, I would say, you just you could do it you over just email. do it. Like we've like Trump fires people on Twitter all the time, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You know, Donald Trump would put out tweets that maybe, you know, I, that happened a few times where Trump would make personnel announcements. <clears throat> or I don't X as it's called now. If if I'm, you know what? If it, that if that's the world that you're gonna, Rick, like I I see it on. I think we'd be weird to be fired on Twitter. Actually, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't care if it was on email though. And then, like, maybe go tell me why, but like, or just email it to me. It's less awkward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're living in the days of remote work anyway, so a lot of these firings have to happen on email or That's a Zoom call. True. There's all this controversy nowadays about remote work. Like, if it's a good idea for people to be working remotely, or the back to the office movement that we've seen a lot of employers try to get going. The the other one that we see is the four day work week. Oh yeah. And some states, one of the states here is, is has tried and it's uh it's going well and then some countries have is it countries or maybe some cities in another country have tried it. And imagine that. I can't believe it or that the four day work week is actually a thing that works. You know, Rick, I did see a poll recently asking what should we do about the teacher shortage? How should we address the teacher shortage? And one of the options was let's have the school day the school week be four days, then maybe more people will want to be a teacher because you have four days of class per week. But the public did not really approve of that. It was, in fact, a pretty low percentage of the population that thought that would be a good idea. That's only because we could just link that with the childcare dilemma that we you have right it. now. You got it. Um, here's the UAW workers who are on strike now, right? Mm-hmm. The, the uh, United Auto Workers, mm-hmm. period? Is mm-hmm. that it? Auto yeah. Workers? Um, they're on strike. They're pushing for a four-day, thirty-two-hour work week. Interesting. So, um, I saw a pretty funny clips of the one of the CEOs of one of those, like Ford or you no, know, it was General Motors. There was a CNN clip, and they're like, "Hey, you got a forty percent raise. Shouldn't uh, your workers get a forty percent ra- raise?" And then she just gobbly goops for for an, a minute on you know, no, not really. They don't. They get other compensation, you know. But it's just so funny, like. Uh, yeah, you got a 40% raise, CEO, so maybe your workers should get the same. Yeah, that kind of thing helps the public relations of the strike. And a lot of times... What kind of thing? The, you know, the, the compensation of the executives. Oh, oh. That, wait, what? The compensation of executives helps what? Like the public relations. So, like, are people supportive of the strike? Oh, sure. Right. Well, people are supportive of the strike when you 
when the CEO goes on CNN and says they don't deserve 40% raise that I just got. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, but why would they go on CNN? It's so stupid. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of these strikes are about public opinion. Yeah, for sure. So things like that could really move public opinion in favor of the workers who are on strike. Not, not that you're an economist. I should. I, I feel like I've posed this question to economists before, but if we want to give tax cuts to corporations, like giant, like Foxconn, we were working in some hiring. If they hired 15,000 workers, they, they would get a $4 billion tax cut or whatever. We could, we could just say, if you want a tax cut, then whatever your CEO makes in compensation, like that package, then your workers need to be at like 80% of that. And then, uh, you know, and then any rate. So, and then if you do that, then you will get a major tax break. If you can keep your workers, not 1000% behind, uh, whatever your CEO, it'll never happen. But like, like, Oh, what the, the government could get involved here in a way that would be beneficial to workers. You know, we do see varying ratios around the world. You know, that ratio of the CEO pay to the average worker, it does seem to vary in different countries. The United States seems to have, you know, kind of a, a, a ratio that may be different from say European countries. So yeah, that does seem to be an idea. That's what I certainly I've heard that from Bernie Sanders. I've heard that kind of talk from you know the Bernie Sanders movement within the Democratic Party. Not something that's really going to have legs in Congress. Not something that is going to be taken Wait, too seriously. Wait, you've heard my idea? That, I, I just made that up. That type of thing, though, I've heard from well, Bernie the C- Sanders. The CEO worker gap is something yeah. that's you know you could watch that that well not a pie chart but a pie a graph right a graph. Uh, you'll see that line, those two lines go, where the workers' line is steady since like the 80s, and the CEO one goes through the roof. Um, that one's always funny. So how did we get here? Like, yeah, <laughs> UAW, four-day work week. <laughs> well, we worked it back oh, to yeah, emails. Yeah, we worked it yeah. back to when our boss should uh, schedule a meeting with us. The very vague, you see this on Facebook sometimes, right? Someone will post, oh, it's been the worst day, and that's all they want, because they just want attention, right? They just some, want someone to comment. Yeah, someone well, asking them what it's about. Oh, is everything okay? Yeah. How are you? And then likes, and then, oh, look, then you got some social media attention. That's all you're asking for. Um, all right, so we, th- we've we taken a pause. Okay, let's go back down down the uh, rabbit hole of Wisconsin politics. We had two, two things that are happening at the same time, is we're trying to, Republicans are trying or, or, or thinking about impeaching Supreme Court Justice Brent, Janet Protosiewicz, and then trying to deflect, 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 deflect from that by introducing a quote-unquote Iowa-ish model, and I quote, I guess I'm quote, quoting myself there, Iowa-ish model of how we draw voting lines in the state. To kind of take away, I feel like this is the politics of it is like, let's get the pressure off the idea. But on top of that, you're going to have to explain this one if you can. Republicans are also doing a secretive like investigation into whether or not they have what the justification to impeach Janet Protosiewicz, something? Yeah. So Robin Voss, the assembly speaker, the Republican leader. Pause. Robin Voss, you brought it up, right? I heard a funny comment the other day because we talk about Robin Voss all the time. We do. And somebody said to me, uh, this, is a, this is the first time I've seen Robin Voss. This whole time I thought it was a woman. 
because it's wrong. You know, why wouldn't you if you've never seen the person? Uh, you're like, wow, the Republican Assembly Speaker is this woman. Nope, it's not. It's a guy. Anyway. He's definitely become a lot more visible. You know, sometimes these legislators can fly below the radar, but now he's taking this very public stance when it comes to the situation on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. And he has selected, apparently, three former Wisconsin Supreme Court justices to look into this idea of impeachment for him, to try to analyze the issue, because we truly are in a strange position right now. I mean, impeachment for the Wisconsin State Supreme Court has almost never happened. We haven't had that be a thing for a very, very long time. So the question is, okay, what is impeachable? What counts as an impeachable offense? What doesn't count as an impeachable offense? If Protasewicz does not recuse herself from a case involving the maps, would that be impeachable? She said that the maps were rigged. She used that word. She said that she would welcome the opportunity to take a new look at the maps. She also had $10 million of money from the Wisconsin State Democratic Party go into her campaign. So, like, if she were to not recuse herself, is that impeachment or is that more of an ethical issue but not impeachment worthy or is it not an ethical issue? That's just how judicial politics works in this state. That's just how the courts work in this state. I don't know. But he has picked some judges apparently to look into this issue and it's a really secretive thing because the Associated Press was trying to figure out, okay, who the heck is on this panel of judges to investigate the idea of impeachment, and they could only locate one, David Prosser, a former Wisconsin State Supreme Court justice. So the whole thing is pretty murky, trying to figure out what exactly is going on here, what exactly they're doing. I want to say that Ed Miller, the UW-Stevens Point professor emeritus, yesterday mentioned David Prosser, but I don't remember in what regard. We went over a lot of stuff yesterday. It was hard to keep up, honestly. Well, most infamously, David Prosser was accused of putting his arm, his hands around the neck of a colleague when he was on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. So that kind of shows you the tone of things on the State Supreme Court over the years in this state. Um, yeah. So is that something that needs to be public? Like when when Voss is is asking Supreme Court justices to look into how he's going to in whether he can impeach the newly elected judge or justice. And he's trying to do that in secret. Do they get to do stuff like that in secret? I think, you know, so yes, but I think it's about getting political cover here. So Robin Voss could just say, yeah, let's impeach her. But if you have credible authorities, credible individuals or people who are perceived as credible saying, yeah, sure, this is impeachable. Well, that's different. So I think, yeah, is it just one guy's opinion that this is impeachable for Protosewitz? Or is there research, is there legal theory to I- indicate that this would be impeachable? Right now, there is polling that I'm aware of that shows that very few people think Protosewitz should be impeached. Now, many people are just unaware of this controversy. But polling is polling, right? Like, do, I mean, the, the more and more we talk about polls, the, more, the less and less people think, like, okay, because every year after the thing, we just go to the old, because there's so many polls, right? And then you there just are. go, there's, look at all these polls were wrong, right? And you just go to 2016, all the polls but one were wrong. 
I think, um, st- but but on that point, but but do, I, I think strategically, Robin Voss is trying to change the conversation yeah. here because if you're talking about impeachment, impeachment of a justice who just won an election by 11 points, that's not a political winner. So as a politician, you try to change the conversation. And so Voss is trying to change the conversation in a couple ways. It's not even change the conversation, right? It's trying to change like who who takes the heat or who takes the blame. It's trying to get his name off the idea. Hey, we'll blame these judges when they come out and say. That's a fair point because if the judges say no, Protosewitz should not be impeached, Voss can say, well, I'm not going to impeach her. It's not my fault. It's the fault of these judges who came up with that okay. conclusion. Well, that's where I'm going is why would he make it secretive then? You know what I mean? But yeah. he wants the answer. He wants the answer to be yes. So he's trying to get the judges to say yes. And then if they say yes, Protosewitz should be impeached, it's not Robin Voss's opinion that they should be impeached. It's judges' right. opinion. But if they say no, then he won't. Maybe he won't even bring it up. Then And then he cannot face the heat from his own party because right now there are talk radio stations, conservative radio stations. There are conservative bloggers, conservative influencers, the party base on the Republican side who are getting enthusiastic about this idea of impeaching Protosewitz. And that puts pressure on Robin Voss when the base and conservatives start to get excited about this possibility. Hey, maybe we could get Protosewitz impeached. Maybe we could find someone new to reverse the majority back to a conservative majority. So the question, okay, what does Robin Voss do in that situation to maybe lower the temperature, get some heat off of him, get people to maybe back off a little bit, maybe change the conversation? Right. And all that has nothing to do with whether or not it's justified, right? Because we've, all, I think we've already... Oh yeah, we are in the realm of political strategy. We already yeah. have, we've already figured out that the the two reasons they want to impeach her, she took $10 million from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Okay, so, but the lawsuit isn't, for, and she already said she'll recruit herself from cases involving them, which she doesn't have to do because we learned yesterday and we've learned in the past. In 2010, they brought up the, the conservative justice on the Wisconsin Supreme Court were um, able to vote on recusal rules. Do you want these recusal rules? Liberals voted for the recusal rules. Like, you know, recusing them, you have to recuse yourself. Conservative justices voted against them, and I think Michael Gableman was one of those conservative justices at that time. So they already voted that we don't want rules on ourselves. Like, this is a problem with the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes, when you ask me, do I need rules for what I can do on this radio show? Rick, you have to, we're going to give you the option to vote whether or not you want rules on this radio show. No, I don't, I, I don't want rules, of course. Why would they want? Why would they vote for rules on themselves? So they already did that. So Democratic Party giving them ten million dollars out the door. The other one says she said it was rigged or whatever during a, a not even after the election, before the election, before the, even the, the, the Republican versus Democrat election, right during the primary. No, it's not Republican to Democrat. She said it was the the voting maps were rigged. Everyone in the country says the voting maps were rigged except Republicans. And even some Republicans probably say that. I think Robin Voss literally said that during the the meeting in 2021. He really literally said, not literally, but he really said that they were, uh, they can be uh, political. And um, the the body that oversees the Supreme Court just said two weeks ago, or last week, I should say, that she can say that, freedom of speech. Yeah, there is a freedom of speech issue here. There is a conversation about campaign finance, for sure. There's a conversation about recusal as well. But 
everyone needs to play by the same set of rules and everyone needs to apply the same set of rules to everyone involved. So the liberal justices should have the same set of rules that the conservative justices right. have. Now, if we want to change those rules, I think that's a conversation worth having. But that means changing them for the future, not changing yeah. them rec- retroactively. And the I legislature would change these rules? They could. There could be recusal rules that the court puts on itself. There is absolutely a conversation to be had about the role of money in these elections, the role of recusal rules and conflicts of interest on the state Supreme Court. But I think that's a forward-looking conversation. I mean, right now, the reality is it's a four to three liberal majority. That's the court that we've got. And look, I think we can talk for sure about making this court better going forward. But right now, the court is what it is. And that's the political reality that people are dealing with. Yeah, my bosses can't email me right now and say, hey, we need to talk. And then come Monday, I go into the office and say, what do you want to talk about? And they go, you can't talk about candy anymore with Trigoski on he's a political science professor why are you guys talking about food um therefore you're fired you talked about candy we made that a rule like like that wait a minute that wasn't a rule there so. have been many opportunities to, to put talk about str- candy well yeah I, mean, <laughs> I hope there are many more that's all I want to talk about there have been many opportunities to strengthen campaign finance r- rules and recusal rules those roads have not been taken I hope that they will be considered in the future because I'm really concerned about this court. I've been we, concerned about the court for a long time. We already saw the liberals when they took control start to do that, right? Did we not see some? I mean, that, that was a big fight over yeah. who can lead the Supreme Court. But the other part of that was some of the rules were changing on recusal. Rule changes. There's so much turmoil. Uh, open, it was about openness, about openness, what they were talking about. Transparency. Like, transparency, that's the word. There, there is a big discussion to be had about reforming the Supreme Court. But right now, I think, uh, you know, the court just kind of is what it is. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, UW Lacrosse, political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. We're just going to wrap up here. Um, We have less than two minutes. We didn't cover everything. Megan Wolf is fired. She's the Wisconsin Election Commission administrator. Is she fired? Because yeah, get, the Senate get ready fired for a lawsuit. Yep. The, the Senate fired her, but they can't fire her because the Senate or the, the the conservatives on the Supreme Court made rules that you can't just fire somebody unless. And then they said you can only they can only they only have they only have to leave unless if they die or com, com, completely like do something like malicious that makes them forces them to remove. Yeah, removed. pretty convoluted situation puts Megan Wolf's future as the top elections official, top elections administrator in Wisconsin, puts her future into doubt. It'll be fought in the courts, all in the context of Wisconsin being perhaps the pivotal state in the 2024 presidential election. Uh, All this stuff, Republicans are doing a lot of things right now. Is it because I'm a Democratic leaning person, or is it Republicans are doing a lot of things right now? You know, Republicans are. And I throw this question at you with 30 seconds. Yeah, Republicans are really driving the conversation right now in Madison because they are going after Megan Wolf's position as the top elections administrator. They are devising a strategy to deal with the issue of redistricting. They had votes to try to override the veto. Uh, to veto override vote of the Governor Evers veto, which is really confusing to try to describe. Yep, the tax cut. And the school thing, right? School thing. That's the veto override. Child child care 
deregulation and loan program. Republicans are really driving the conversation right now. And that's what happens when they're the majority party. It's just kind of what you get to do. Should we tell Ramsey after the, that we're going to take the next hour because we need to get into all that? Should we just tell Dave Ramsey? <laughs> no hey, money sorry, advice man. today. So no, it's Friday though, man. It's Friday. We can't, we can't work another hour. Uh, all right. Thanks everybody for listening.